Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. And a pleasant good afternoon. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on 960 AM WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com. Our free WSBT radio app. And also on the Twitch app by searching... Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports beat on the air until 7 o'clock tonight because the South Bend Cubs are back in the central time zone. They're up in Appleton getting set to take on the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers tonight. First pitch at 7.40 South Bend time. Pre-game at 7.20. Right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Greatly appreciate you joining me. Tonight's program brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. The King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt Don't Shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. Well, coming up on the program, Notre Dame football fall camp, of course, got underway on Friday. Full steam ahead for the Irish as they build toward their opener against number 2 Ohio State in Columbus, September 3rd. 7.30 kickoff on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Coming up at about 5.35, you will hear from J.D. Bertrand in our Irish Players Spotlight. Bertrand, a junior linebacker for this Fighting Irish football team, coming off a 102-tackle season last year as the door opened for him due to a couple of injuries, and boy, did he take advantage, becoming one of the best players On the Fighting Irish defense, his brother, John Michael Bertram, one of the star pitchers for the Notre Dame baseball team the last couple of years, 
just made his debut in the San Francisco Giants organization the other night. But you'll hear from J.D. Bertrand coming up in about 30 minutes here on WSBT Radio. The My 5 question of the day, the five Notre Dame football players that I consider intriguing early on in fall camp. More Notre Dame football recruiting news with Mike Singer coming up at 6.07. Plenty to talk about. Yesterday, we focused on the four commitments in four days for the Fighting Irish. And today, the lead topic is going to be a conversation about one of the best defensive linemen in the class of 2024. He has played 15 high school football games, yet he is considered one of the best interior defensive lineman in the 24 class. He lives about an hour and 45 minutes from here and is considering Notre Dame right now at the present time. His name is Justin Scott, and Mike will give you the all, all the details on Scott coming up in just a little bit in our Fighting Irish football recruiting segment at 6.07. Also, we'll get his perspective on where the Irish stand as they continue to pursue a quarterback for the class of 2023. And I'm also going to ask him about three Irish players in the 22 class that are freshmen going through fall camp for the first time, and they have made some early headlines. We'll get Mike's perspective on wide receiver Tobias Merriweather, cornerback Jaden Mickey, and linebacker Nolan Ziegler. We have our sports wagering segment also coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. We've got two hours of Budweiser's weekday sports beat straight ahead right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. And our first pitch tonight for you is the Notre Dame offense features some things old and some things new. Well, the Fighting Irish offense... Still under the direction of offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. A lot of speculation and rumors during the offseason that other college football programs were interested in Tommy Reese, including his former employer, Brian Kelly, who left for LSU. But Tommy Reese decided to stay at his alma mater and work with brand-new head coach Marcus Freeman. Tommy Reese was a big, big part of the puzzle as he is back with this program. From my point of view, it feels like a shadow has been removed from behind Tommy Reese with Brian Kelly now in Baton Rouge. This offense belongs to Tommy Reese. Sure, it's going to have... A lot of Brian Kelly principles. Tommy Reese played in BK's offense. He coached it. So, sure, there's going to be a lot of BK in this offense, but now we're going to start to see some of the things that Tommy Reese truly wants to be as an offensive coordinator. Very interesting to hear. I read this at Blue and Gold Illustrated. He watched every single offensive snap by every NFL team during the offseason. 
because he wanted to get as many ideas as possible. Take what he likes and mix it to what he's trying to do with this Notre Dame offense. Man, that's a lot of football watching. But when you're an old quarterback and you're an offensive coordinator, is there anything better than watching film? I just feel bad Tommy had to watch my poor Broncos offensive video. I guarantee you (laughs) he didn't pick up a whole lot from watching Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater play quarterback. Holy cow. (laughs) Russell Wilson is going to seem like a combination of Dan Marino, John Elway, Joe Montana, and Tom Brady all into one after watching Bridgewater and Locke last year. But he picked up a lot of good information from the National Football League. So Reese back in charge of this offense. He is also the quarterback coach, so heavily involved in a top storyline. Who becomes the starting quarterback for the Fighting Irish? Is it going to be Tyler Buckner, or does Drew Pine come in and grab that job away? Well, Marcus Freeman has given Tommy Reese the reins of this offense, and here's what Freeman had to say early on about what stands out about the offense that Tommy Reese is currently putting together. Yeah, it's very, it's it's complex, it's challenging. Um, you know, defensively, a lot is reaction. You know, recognizing formations and, and reacting to what you see offensively. Um, it, it's reaction, but it's it, it's a, I think it's just a little bit different. There's a lot on their plate in terms of recognizing coverages, recognizing schemes, um, you know, reacting versus movement on the fly. Um, so it, it's been it's been really good for me to really spend a lot of time with the quarterbacks, you know, to see their progression. Um, because I tell them all the time, you're going to get blamed if things don't go well. And it isn't always your fault. And <laughs> perfect example today was Tyler threw a ball. It looked like it was a bad throw. I don't know who it was running the route, kind of didn't run the route exactly right. And I looked at Tyler and I said, hey, that's why you got to hold people accountable because – from my point of view, I looked at it, man, that was a bad throw. No, that wasn't yeah. a bad throw. We got to make sure we run the right route. And so a lot of things fall on those quarterbacks play, and that's what I spend the most of the time with. Um, and so it's been eye-opening um, to really just spend, to see it from their point of view. Well, Freeman mentioned on Friday he wants to get a starting quarterback named as soon as possible. The battle continues currently. Now you take a look at the offensive side of the football Here are some things we know right now. First off, the Irish will not have the services of running back Jadarian Price, who showed out very well in the blue goal game in April. Price is out for the season after suffering a ruptured Achilles, had surgery, so he is out for not only the first game, but for the season. Also out for the Ohio State game, veteran wide receiver Joe Wilkins and tight end Mitchell Evans. Now, currently in practice, these players right now are receiving limited reps in fall practice. Running back Logan Diggs, I think this is a major positive. Logan Diggs, not full contact as of yet. He's in the red jersey at practice. He's doing a lot of drills, so this is a major positive. Diggs suffered the torn labrum in the blue goal game. I think there was an expectation, maybe worst case, he comes back in October. The hope was it would be sometime in September. Now, there's no guarantee he plays the first game against Ohio State, but it sure seems like based on 
the initial impressions of how long he could be out, we're way ahead of schedule. It is a major positive that Diggs opens camp at least is a part of practice. Not full contact, but he's edging closer. So maybe we see Logan Diggs in that first game against Ohio State. So then you can run out there comfortably Chris Tyree, Audric Estime, and Logan Diggs. Also limited right now in fall practice, wide receiver Avery Davis and tight end Kane Brong both coming off ACL surgery. Davis, one of the veteran wide receivers on this football team. Barong, I think, is a dark horse to steal some playing time at that number two tight end spot behind Michael Mayer. Now, you take a look at the Fighting Irish offensive line. It looks to be falling into place. Last year, it was a bit of a mess early on. It got cleaned up. The Irish got better over the last couple of months of the season. And it doesn't look like there's going to be any misjudging to start this season as veteran offensive line coach Harry Heaston appears to have an offensive line. I don't want to say locked in because things can change. Guys can make moves. There's a lot of time left in fall practice, a lot of time to impress the coaching staff. But our best guess right now would be Joe Alt at left tackle. Took over that spot last year. He's not giving it back. Has been highly impressive. Saw him go one-on-one with Isaiah Foskey in practice on Friday, and he is looking outstanding. Then you got one of the stories, left guard Jared Patterson moving over from center, a position that Brian Kelly didn't feel like he could move him from last year because of his NFL future. Well, Jared Patterson is now playing left guard with Zeke Carell at center. Carell had a really good spring and enters the fall as the leading candidate to be the starting center for this football team. Then you've got Josh Lugg, who was the right tackle last year, moving inside to play right guard. And Blake Fisher, who started last year at Florida State as a true freshman at left tackle, suffered an injury, came back for the Fiesta Bowl, played right tackle against the Cowboys, and it looks like he'll be the team's right tackle to get the 2022 campaign underway at Ohio State. I mean, Fisher... You talk about playing in some facilities. He's played two games so far, one in Tallahassee against Florida State in prime time. Got to play in the Fiesta Bowl out where the Arizona Cardinals play against Oklahoma State. And his third game is going to be at the Horseshoe in Columbus against Ohio State. And, oh, by the way, his fourth game, pretty cool place as well, Notre Dame Stadium. Here's Marcus Freeman on Jared Patterson moving from center to left guard. We feel like right now him playing guard is what's give our offensive line the the best chance to have success. And so, you know, you got to look at that unit in terms of all five, you know, not in individual pieces. And, you know, J-Pat being at guard, we feel like gives those five guys up front uh, the best chance to be successful. Well, he's going to be a dominant player at the guard position if Carell holds up his end of the bargain, this offensive line could be a strength of this football team. And you take a look, there are some guys looming in the interior offensive line positions that could be battling for more playing time. I think the expectation is Rocco Spindler's getting close. He's a guy 
if need be, could be called upon in the interior guard spots if there is an injury or if there is a lack of production. Don't expect that out of the left guard position with Jarrett Patterson there. And, of course, it's great to have Harry He stand back as the offensive line coach, getting these guys ready to go for a brand-new season. So Tommy Reese is the guy in charge of calling plays. He needs to have a really good offensive line so he can do what he wants to do. Here's Tommy on that group up front. Yeah, I think anytime you're you're good up front, it allows you to have success. I mean, I know that sounds elementary, but you know, I've been here with really, really good offensive lines. Um, you know, last year we worked through it and we got to the point by the end of the year we were a really good offensive line. And so you know, I think when you have a strong foundation at the top of coaching stand, you have a great group of players that are hungry and wanting to get better. You know, I think it opens up, you know, the ability to not only run the ball, but also protect the quarterback. And when you have that balance, you know, it really opens up what you can do when you're not really hamstrung by it. And here's Freeman on his opinion. What stands out about this Harry Heastan coached Fighting Irish offensive line? Man, I love being around our O-line. I do. I just, that is, you know, I say it all the time, we're O-line, D-line driven program. And those guys work and they're pushed and they continue to respond to being challenged. I love being around. I love just the the culture in that room, the vibe. And so, um, you know, I I really, I spend a lot of time looking at those guys, especially maybe because I'm behind the offense and those guys are looking kind of where I'm in my direction. But as much as I can spend time with that O-line and D-line, I'm going to continue to do it because those guys will drive our culture and, and our program. Love the thought. Offensive line, defensive line, driven program. No doubt about that. you got to take care of the line of scrimmage. You have to win the battles there in order for everybody else to have success. And the Irish sure seem like they are built to have a lot of success on both sides of the line of scrimmage this year. The guy who might be the starting quarterback for the Fighting Irish, Tyler Buckner. The offensive line is going to be really good, and they are really good. And, uh, you know, I think on some of the plays from yesterday, I was watching the film, I had more time in the pocket than I thought I did. And so I'd, you know, get the ball out a second, half a second too early because, you know, just naturally you're used to, you know, oh, that, when that clock in your head hits, you, know, you get the ball out. But, you know, it's just really about staying calm in the pocket. Maybe, you know, if I got Mike working on a route downfield, you know, I know he's going to win. So we have to second throw it up. Well, I don't want to diminish everybody else, but you look at that offensive line, three extremely exciting pieces that truly catch your eye. All at left tackle, Patterson at left guard, Fisher at right tackle. That is an awfully good place to start. That's our first pitch for today. It is 526. We'll come back with our Twitter question of the day, which has a little bit of a Notre Dame football theme to it with the college football coaches preseason poll coming out yesterday. Is there a team that might be a little more overrated than everybody else? We'll get to that storyline coming up in a couple of moments. Also, in just a little bit, you'll hear from Irish linebacker J.D. Bertrand as Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
This summer, many families are cutting back on fresh and healthier foods in response to rising costs for groceries, housing, and other basic needs. I'm Mary Jo Martinek with the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Every dollar you donate to the Food Bank provides up to five meals for someone who is struggling. Help us put food on the table for... This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett back with you at 531 Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on WSBT Radio. Let's first recap yesterday's Twitter question of the day, which you can find on my Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat. Monday's question. Last season, Notre Dame quarterback Jack Cohn threw for 3,150 yards, 25 touchdown passes, and he completed 65.5% of his throws. Which of these three categories will Tyler Buckner be closest to or most likely will pass, assuming Tyler is the starter? So again, of those three categories, which will Tyler Buckner be closest to or maybe surpasses? Again, the three choices, 3,150 passing yards, 65% completion percentage, or 25 touchdown passes. After tallying the votes, coming in third place, 28% of the vote, Tyler Buckner will throw for 3,150 passing yards. Coming in second in the voting, with 30% of the vote, a 65% completion percentage for Tyler Buckner. And winning the vote at 42%, 25 touchdown passes. Well, This is a tough, tough question. I guess 65% completion, I would absolutely take that. I'm thinking he might be somewhere between 60 and 65. 3,150 passing yards, boy, that is a lot of yards over for Jack Cohn, 13 football games with the up-in-the-air status to the wide receivers. You do have Michael Mayer. You got running backs that can catch the football. That seems like a pretty high total for a first-year starter. The 25 touchdown passes, maybe that's in play, although I think his running ability in the red zone might take away some of those touchdown passes. So if I had to choose, I might go with he might get closest to a 65% completion percentage. Thanks for voting. Greatly appreciate you taking the time to do that on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Here comes today's question. The USA Today coaches college football poll was released yesterday. Ohio State number two, the Fighting Irish number five, setting up a top five matchup in Columbus on September the 3rd. But let's put aside Notre Dame and Ohio State for a moment. Which of these three teams ranked in the preseason coaches college football poll, in your opinion, is overrated? Your choices, 
the number four team in the country, according to the coaches, the Clemson Tigers. How about the number six team in the country, the Michigan Wolverines? And the other choice, the 15th ranked team in the country, the University of Southern California Trojans. So again, which of these three teams ranked in the preseason coaches college football poll is overrated? A team the Irish will play in November at home, number four, Clemson, the rival to the north, number six, Michigan, or the team the Irish end the regular season against at the Coliseum, number 15, USC. You can vote right now, later tonight or tomorrow. Again, just go to twitter.com and search my Twitter account at 960sportsbeat. We'd love to get your vote. We'll pass along the results on tomorrow's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, and we'll have another question ready to roll. All right, that'll take care of our Sports Beat Twitter question of the day. I want to get to two more topics very quickly in this segment that are non-Notre Dame football related. One is at least football related. Some news today coming from Hallis Hall slash Soldier Field. The Chicago Bears' arguably best defensive player is Roquan Smith. You might argue he's the best player on the football team. Great-looking linebacker out of Georgia has dominated for the Bears' defense the last two years in particular. Two years ago, 163 tackles. Last year, 139 tackles and four sacks. He is currently playing in the final year of his rookie deal. Not making a lot of cash. He is looking for an extension. He's looking to get paid because he is produced for this football team. So Roquan Smith and the Chicago Bears have been negotiating, but obviously things have not gone well because on social media today, Roquan Smith asked to be traded from the Chicago Bears. The linebacker wrote that, quote, The new front office regime doesn't value me here. They've refused to negotiate in good faith. Every step of this journey has been take it or leave it. The deal sent to me is one that would be bad for myself and for the entire linebacker market if I signed it. The 25-year-old Smith even accused the Bears front office of, quote, trying to take advantage of me and that the organization left me no choice than to request a trade that allows me to play for an organization that truly values what I bring to the table, end quote. Now, during the negotiations, Smith has not been practicing, but he has been showing up daily at Hallis Hall where training camp is taking place. Oftentimes, the media sees him riding on a stationary bike at practice. He is on the The pup list right now, unable to perform list. Head coach Matt Eberfluss, of course, a defensive-minded head coach, would love to have Roquan Smith on the field. But I'm not sure it's going to happen anytime soon. Now, will this asking for a trade and very public comments about the negotiations affect the negotiations between Smith, his agent, and Bears general manager, Ryan Poles, nobody from a front office standpoint wants to see a player 
hang that dirty laundry out there on the line. And now the media has this information. Bears fans have this information. And oftentimes when you see this type of comment, the fans will side with the player over the front office. Now, we have no idea the offer being made by the front office to Roquan Smith, but it did not take long for the Bears to respond. They did not want this to fester out in public. And so Ryan Poles, first-year general manager, hopped up in front of a microphone at Soldier Field where the Bears were practicing today. Uh, so I thought it would be best just to address it straightforward. Uh, like, I'll double down on what I said before. My feelings for Roquan haven't changed at all. I think he's a very good football player. I love the kid. I love what he's done on the field, um, which makes me really disappointed where we're at right now. Um, I thought we'd be in a better situation, to be completely honest with you. Well, the Bears are in a different situation than when Khalil Mack was on the table to possibly be traded, and he was traded to the Los Angeles Chargers. Mack was owed a lot of money. His productivity was diminishing. You're probably not going to get the Bears quick enough to a position to be NFC contenders with Khalil Mack playing at a high level. So I think the Bears made the right decision in moving Mack to the Chargers for some collateral that they used to try to build this team up for the future. So I had no problem with that deal. Again, the productivity was going down for Khalil Mack. But this is a player in his prime. This, you could argue, is one of the faces of this football team. Consistent, productive. The 160 tackles two years ago, once again at 139 last year. He is a guy you can count on in the middle of that defense to come up with big plays. He can get after the quarterback. He has just been very dependable and productive for this football team. Can't say what they're offering. Is it good? Is it bad? Nobody knows except the Bears and Roquan Smith. He is asked to be traded. This is a guy that would be highly in demand. Now, at this point in training camp, Teams are pretty much locked in the direction they're going with some you know, changes here and there. But from a salary cap standpoint, this would be a tough guy to bring aboard at the last second. Now, there are teams with the ability to do so. Now, we'll see if the Bears change their mind about what they're offering Smith or do they go ahead and do what the Nationals did in baseball. Juan Soto didn't take the big contract offer, so they traded him to try to get better for the future. They want people that want to be a part of their organization. Bears, at some point, might have to go down that road, but that'd be a shame. This is a really good football player and a foundation piece for this Bears defense. So Roquan Smith has asked for a trade. Ryan Poles, the GM, as you heard, still says, I want to sign him to be determined if the Bears get it done. They still have some time. We are about a month away from the start of the NFL season. Another story developing right now, the White Sox are trying to catch the Minnesota Twins for the top spot in the AL Central. Things are not going well in game one of the doubleheader in Kansas City against the Royals. White Sox went ahead 1-0 in the third inning on a Josh Harrison home run, but Lance Lynn has given up a pair of two-run home runs as Vinny Pasquantino hit a two-run shot in the third inning 
And now Nick Prado has also connected on a two-run home run in the bottom of the sixth inning. So Lynn has given up four runs in five and a third innings. And right now it is Royals four, White Sox one, Kansas City still batting in the bottom of the sixth inning. A.J. Pollock, the former Notre Dame star, is leading off of the White Sox today because, A, shortstop Tim Anderson starting to serve his two-game suspension, but also, rumor has it, he could be sidelined for a good amount of time. The White Sox have acknowledged a report that was out there that Anderson is injured. He suffered the injury over the weekend against the Texas Rangers, and it is a hand injury that could require surgery The White Sox are not talking about a time frame yet, but there are reports that Anderson could miss four to six weeks. That is a big chunk of the pennant drive for a guy hitting 301 with six homers and 25 driven in. So Tim Anderson could be be on the shelf for four to six weeks with a hand injury. The White Sox at least have acknowledged the injury, but no timetable from the White Sox yet on how long their leadoff hitter could be out of the lineup. This is a chance to gain ground. You've got the Royals and White Sox playing while the first-place Twins are in L.A. to take on the juggernaut known as the Dodgers. But right now, game one of a doubleheader, Royals four, White Sox one in the bottom of the sixth inning. You'll hear from J.D. Bertrand, Irish linebacker, next as Sportsbeat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sportsbeat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10, what a run! Here's the fake, Meyer looking, Meyer finding the other tight end, Irv Smith, touchdown. Five, five, rocket, touchdown, Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 549 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT radio app. Also, a video feed of our studios available on the Twitch app. Just get the Twitch app for free and search Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Who are five players who intrigue me right now in Notre Dame football camp? We'll get to that conversation coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated talks Notre Dame football recruiting coming up in about 20 minutes or so. And once again, we're going to focus on a really intriguing player, a guy you need to know about, 2024 defensive lineman Justin Scott. He has played 15 high school games, but he is physically put together. He's a five-star. He's visited Notre Dame. Notre Dame very interested in him. Mike will give you the details during our recruiting segment in about 20 minutes here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Right now, our Irish player spotlight. Today, we focus on J.D. Bertrand, the junior linebacker, 6'1", 228 pounds. Bertrand, 13 games last year for the Fighting Irish. Wasn't expected to be a starter. Injuries opened the door, and man, did he take advantage. 
102 tackles for Bertrand, six and a half tackles for loss, a sack, a pass defended, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery for Bertrand. Man, in the month of September, it was like he was a double-digit tackling machine for this football team. So here is Bertrand on the start of a brand-new Fighting Irish football season. Obviously, it's an exciting start to the season, and it's just there's so much energy around the program with Coach Freeman. And then talking about just football in general, I mean, I think the main thing is just making sure we get better every day. We have such resources in Coach Golden and James, like how many people have James Laurinaitis in their linebacker room? And so just being able to take every single piece of advice we can get from them and being able to take that learning curve from learning into being able to actually apply and anticipate this defense into our offense right now and then eventually into the scout team offense. Yeah, Bertrand was the guy that was really good on special teams, caught the attention of the coaching staff. Injuries happened, forced into the starting lineup against Florida State, and kind of the rest is history at this particular time. So the mindset's got to be a little different this time around for Bertrand. He was trying to impress last year at this time, right now entrenched as a starter for this Fighting Irish defense. Once again, here is Bertrand. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing just goes back to getting better. And I mean, there's areas in my game that I know I need to get better in, better in, and being able to just each day be able to come away and say like, hey, what I do to get better, and at night be able to label it off. And I told our guys the other day that I got, to, I was lucky I got to spend some time with Jerome Bettis. And when I talked to him, like he was like, hey, who are you competing with? And his message to me wasn't necessarily that I'm competing with those guys, which obviously, I mean, we are in some regard, but. I'm also competing with myself and the J.D. Bertrand that plays at Michigan and the J.D. Bertrand that plays at Ohio State and Georgia and all these other schools. And so as long as I can come away every single day and say, hey, I got better that day, whether, I mean, on the field and then taking it to the mental side of the classroom, then being able to say that I got better that day and be able to step, stack each stone on top of each other. What about the Fighting Irish defense last year under Marcus Freeman? Freeman becomes head coach, and the Irish bring in Cincinnati Bengals linebacker coach Al Golden to take over this Notre Dame defense. So Bertrand was asked to offer a little perspective, defense then and now. Obviously similarities and differences. I mean, it's really cool to be able to – Coach Golden is giving us a lot of control to the linebackers on being able to anticipate offenses based on offensive formations and stuff like that and being able to get our defense – into different maybe checks or adjustments with that regard. Sounds like a very reactive defense based on what the linebackers are seeing. They are going to be able to call some checks at the line of scrimmage, try to put their teammates in the best position possible. J.D. Bertrand and our Irish player spotlight, junior linebacker, 6'1", 230, out of the state of Georgia. And now Bertrand talking a little bit about what the defense is learning right now. The biggest thing is like, what you can never be good enough at is communication and being able to get that communication from the secondary to the linebackers to the D-line because everything we're doing is relating to each other and being able to communicate is, I mean, something that's invaluable on defense and just football in general. And finally, J.D. Bertrand, his brother, John Michael Bertrand, a key member of the Fighting Irish baseball team the last couple of years, including helping them to get to the College World Series this spring. 
J.D. Bertrand was in the stands cheering on his brother, who was drafted by the San Francisco Giants in the 10th round and made his minor league debut the other night and did pretty well, as a matter of fact. And J.D. Bertrand was asked if the success of John Michael Bertrand, his brother, and the Notre Dame baseball team getting to the College World Series offers some extra inspiration as he gets set to embark on another Notre Dame football season. I mean, I think looking back at Tennessee, even like they're the biggest underdogs you could be. And Tennessee is supposed to be the greatest team college baseball's almost ever seen. And I mean, it's not a matter of what everyone else says. It's a matter of what you guys believe. And even when things go wrong, like you could see them just continue to fight, continue to fight. And so just being able to take that aspect of continuing to fight every single game and bring it to our team. Tennessee's baseball team, the greatest baseball team of all time? Heck yeah. Exactly right. Just ask Tennessee. They'll tell you that. But Notre Dame won that three-game series to get to Omaha. And John Michael Bertrand had a great Notre Dame baseball career. And you know what? J.D. Bertrand is developing a terrific Notre Dame football career. Of those 100 tackles he had last year, 65 were solos. And he is ready to roll in Al Golden's defense. And we're going to bring you some of Coach Golden's comments on tomorrow's Budweiser's weekday sports beep. But today our Irish player spotlight focuses on Notre Dame linebacker J.D. Bertrand. It is 5.56, a Sports Center update coming up in a couple of moments, including we will find out the latest what's happening right now in Kansas City as the White Sox look to rally against the Royals. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022. It is 6.09 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. We'll get to some recruiting talk in just a couple of moments, but I want to spend just a second or two on this because so many Notre Dame fans in our area and across the country very familiar with this voice for so many years. But Jack Laurie passed away Monday at the age of 86. He passed away in Elkhart at his home, surrounded by his family. Jack was born August 30th, 1935, in Connecticut. He graduated from Norwich Free Academy, honorably served his country in the United States Air Force from 1954 to 1958, serving a year in Korea. During his service, he was named Airman of the Month by the 7th Aerial Port Squadron. He then pursued a career in broadcasting after attending Columbia School of Broadcasting in Boston. His career began in 1958, where he worked for radio stations in Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Massachusetts. He spent time at WLAP in Lexington, Kentucky, where he covered basketball 
and football from 1960 to 1962. And he became a part of our family in the 60s. Jack Laurie was the play-by-play voice of many Notre Dame sports for 38 years, including basketball. He was a part of WTRC, where he was a sportscaster for the local Elkhart County High School, spent some time at WGN in Chicago, and a part of the Notre Dame Basketball Network from 1988 to 2005. Jack was elected to the Elkhart County Sports Hall of Fame in 1998 and the Indiana Sports Writers and Sportscasters Hall of Fame in 2010. Jack Laurie, we lost him at the age of 86. A very familiar voice for Notre Dame fans. And again, a part of the Notre Dame Basketball Network from 1988 to 2005. He also was a part of our WSBT radio family as he worked alongside the late Tom Denon on South Bend Silverhawk games right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And on behalf of all Notre Dame fans out there, we send our prayers and condolences to Jack Laurie's family and friends. Jack Laurie was 86 years old. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and on Twitch as Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated insider Mike Singer. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined once again by Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out his work at blueandgold.com. We're also recording this interview for the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Well, Mike, we spent some time yesterday talking about Notre Dame picking up four commitments in four days. Now let's talk about some other recruiting issues today. This isn't really an issue. This is a good thing. As Justin Scott, a high-end defensive lineman in the class of 2024, is front and center right now for many Notre Dame football fans as they follow his recruitment. Mike, let's just start off with some basics who Justin Scott is. Uh, well, he's going into his junior year of high school, making him a class of 2024 player, and he's listed at 6'5", 310 pounds. Now, um, look, w- these high school listings, we try to be as accurate as possible, but let's say he's, let's just say he's 6'4", and like 295 or 300. That's still really darn good. Like, <laughs> he's going into his junior year of high school. And he's, you know, he's not like overweight either. Like he's just, he's got a very um, good build um, for an interior deep, like impressive. I'm sure Matt Bayless is thinking, I really hope we land this kid so I can get him in my strength and conditioning program. I mean, goodness gracious. Um, on three has him ranked as the number three overall player nationally, number one um, interior, you know, defensive lineman. Um, which, yeah, he doesn't have, like, your traditional, 
you know, Alabama, LSU, Texas, USC. You know, he doesn't have the traditional offer list. He's got Notre Dame. He does have LSU, actually. Um, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin, which, which this is a side note. Like, on three doesn't really look at offers as the determining factor in your, your ranking. It's it's what they see in an evaluation and, and information they have on a young man. But, um, yeah, Justin's got the freak show. Um, the uh, industry average ranking has him listed as the number 12 player. Uh, and number one interior defensive lineman. I mean, yeah, Justin Scott is um, he's a freak show. And to this point, he's only played 15 high school football games. So he's got a, a very high ceiling as well. This is a player who I do believe will end up with just about every scholarship offer before it's all said and done. And Darren from Chicago St. Ignatius. So that is uh, a nice little added bonus that I wrote about this at balloongold.com this week. Like usually – when Notre Dame's recruiting a player to try to get them into to campus, it's you know, they're they're far away. It's it's uh, an expensive, unofficial visit for a Chicago kid who's ranked as a five star per on three. It's a little bit easier to to drive over to South Bend. So this is a recruitment from a Notre Dame friendly school, you know, in Chicago that the Irish should be able to win. But you know, it's the recruit's decision at the end of the day. So we'll see what Justin Scott ends up doing. Mike, you mentioned his size right now for his age. I got to be honest with you. When you posted the story on Twitter about him and there was a picture of him in a Notre Dame uniform, he looked like a junior in college. I mean, he had 99 on. He is just well put together. I mean, honestly, had you not written a story, I would have guessed he would have been a Notre Dame football player already. Yeah, and... You know, he is uh, – I'm, I'm pulling up th- this uh, article right now for our YouTube audience, so I do apologize for, for radio, but um, – There you go. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> he is – again, he's lean for, for being 6'5", 310 pounds. So, like, it doesn't make sense, but, yeah, I mean, he is um, – he's quite the specimen. I actually wrote two articles about him at balloongold.com. One was on – what's today, Darren? days are on together. Tuesday morning – about his recent Notre Dame visit that he took at the end of July, as well as just his recruitment overall, um, as well as an article I wrote last night um, with a prediction that I logged for Justin Scott to land at Notre Dame. Now, you know, I'm not expecting him to announce a commitment here anytime soon. Or so so it, it's, what you know, what I would call a projection pick. Um, but... You know, my, my sources on the Irish side of things do feel like Notre Dame is the lead school. So pretty big deal here if Notre Dame's able to, to land Justin Scott. Again, we'll see. I expect him to take visits. You know, he mentioned wanting to see a bunch of the Midwest schools this fall, and, and obviously that would include Notre Dame. So there, there's some battling here to do. But, again, St. Ignatius in Chicago should be a school that Notre Dame should, should be able to pull a prospect out of. Mike, since we're talking about an elite defensive lineman, let me ask you about Coach Washington for a moment. When Mike Elston left for Michigan, he was one of the top recruiters on Brian Kelly's staff. He did a great job of not only recruiting but developing defensive linemen. He's now at Michigan. Coach Washington has moved into that particular role. How effective has he been so far on the recruiting trails? I mean, I would say very good. And he's he's helped a lot with linebacker recruiting even. 
because he was the linebackers coach at Ohio State, and you know he had built relationships with with some of the linebacker recruits like Drake Bowen. You know he was recruiting he was in Ohio State. The big one was the guy that the Irish got last week, Jay Nosberry. He was I was told a strong Ohio State lead when Al Washington was the Buckeyes linebackers coach. Um, you know never committed to Ohio State, obviously, and then Washington gets to Notre Dame in January, and that, like, just gave Notre Dame another boost in that recruitment. So, um, you know, and the proof has been in the pudding so far with defensive linemen, you know, landing um, who, who have been the commitments, Devin Houston, Bubakar Traore, um, a couple in the 2024 class, and Owen Wafel and Brandon Davis-Swain, um, done a good job with, with Justin Scott. So, He's he's been very good, but I'll add, Darren, gone are the days on the Notre Dame staff that it's just one coach and he recruits that position, and the coordinator might get involved on a visit, and you know the head coach will just see the kid, you know, on that final visit, or maybe a couple phone calls here. Though that's gone, it truly is a you know like a four pronged attack on on. Every recruitment. You got Chad Bowden, director of recruiting, involved with every player, the position coach, the coordinator, and Marcus Freeman. So you have at least four coaches involved. And then with some of these, like Osbury, you know, you had, uh, you know, Al Washington, uh, Al Golden, Chad Bowden, Marcus Freeman, James Laurinaitis, uh, another linebacker um, coach who, who's been very good for the Fighting Irish. And I don't think Lauren Idis, who's in a grad assistant role for the Irish, I don't think he's going to be around for very long because he's got position coach written all over him. Um, so you just have a lot of support staff that's doing a really good job um, helping out these position coaches. I'm a novice, but that seems like the logical way to go after a kid. I think I've told this story before, but there was a recruit a few years ago um, who was committed to Notre Dame, and after a game – um, you know, kind of you know, made eye contact with Brian Kelly and w- wanted to have a conversation. And, and Kelly just kind of gave the nod and kept walking as if Kelly didn't know who the guy was. And, and he was committed to his program. Like, um, it, yeah, it, it's just not, not how things go anymore. Hmm. I mean, I, I said it on the air on Monday that, you know, Marcus Freeman's recruiting guys hard and they haven't even offered the young man yet. <laughs> so it's, it's just a lot different. Wow. He is Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. Yesterday, we spoke a little bit about quarterback, the search for class of 2023. We're kind of down to option maybe C, D, E at this particular moment. How would you characterize where we are right now since Novo said went back to Baylor? Oh boy. Um, I don't know, Darren. It's, it's hard to like, I, it's hard to be positive, but I also don't want to overreact, you know, cause you know, so that, that, that's kind of where I'm at with it, Darren. Um, it, it really just depends on how things end up. Um, I would just, I would give Notre Dame quarterback recruiting this 2023 class an incomplete grade because we don't know how it's going to, how it's going to go. That's, uh, th- that's my take. Obviously it hasn't been good. You, you know, you said they're on plan D E um, let's just hope it doesn't get to F. you know, like let's hope it doesn't end up on a, you know, a, a great F here. Um, 
Notre Dame's going to take a quarterback in 2023 by all accounts. You know, I've seen some fans say, oh, let's just skip it and take two in 2024. You know, I don't think that's what the Fighting Irish want to do. The C.J. Carr reclassification talk, that's done. Um, And that's a a really good thing to mention, that Carr is committed. He's a five-star talent. He's in the 2024 class, so it's going to take him a couple years to get to South Bend. But, um, you know, as – as this 2023 roller coaster has been with quarterback recruiting, at least you do have that stud in 2024 committed to kind of fall back on and make you feel a little bit better if you're a Notre Dame fan. Um, but it is the most important position. And, um, you know, Notre Dame struck out with several quarterbacks in this class. Is this fair? You can rip this theory apart. The Irish went hard after Dante Moore. It didn't work out. And it wasn't like, there are quarterbacks across the country from the class of 2003 that weren't interested in Notre Dame, but with the efforts toward more, all these other quarterbacks found other places to call home eventually. So it's not like kids aren't interested. It was just Dante Moore was the guy they put their efforts into him. And now they're trying to figure it out. Fair. The, the, I mean, the players they are after now, and I say after, you know, there's, Player they've offered publicly, you know, like Austin Novosad, who's committed to Baylor and decided to stick with that place. They offered Kenny Minchie from Tennessee. He's committed to Pittsburgh. Um, they're interested in Tulane quarterback commit Jackson Smollock. And I know for folks think, oh my gosh, we're going after a Tulane quarterback commit. Kid blew up over the summer at the Elite 11 finals, and now I think Penn State's probably going to flip him. So Notre Dame hasn't offered Smollock yet. Um, and again, I do believe we'll end up with the Nittany Lions. So, like, and I'm told that there are other quarterbacks that they're talking to who are committed to other programs. Um, but for them, a lot of times that's kind of going to be kept under wraps because I mean, just obvious reasons, you know, backlash for the, the kid or the pro, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so Notre Dame is, is just kind of going through their quarterback options. Again, I believe they'll, they'll take a quarterback in this class and, um, I don't know, Darren. I think it's actually going to work out where they, they're going to get a pretty good one. Um, but, again, we, we just won't know, um, and, and I think it might take a little time. Okay, fair enough. I asked you a couple of moments ago about Coach Washington. Let me ask you a more broad question about Notre Dame football recruiting and the coaching staff. As you followed all these coaches go through the process, many of them for the first time with the Notre Dame logo on the – on the t-shirt or on the polo has anyone surprised you or intrigued you following them for the first time recruiting at Notre Dame? Harry Heastan probably. So I, I started covering Notre Dame for, for blue and gold back in 2019. So obviously Harry wasn't the offensive line coach at that point. It was Jeff Quinn, who I always thought did a really good job on the recruiting trail. And that's kind of what his, um, you know, biggest plus as a coach was like he, he was a grinder on the recruiting trail. And then, I mean, he was with Brian Kelly coaching for what, 30 some odd years. So he's not obviously going to be, be hanging around or I don't think Marcus Freeman probably wanted Jeff Quinn, but that's a different discussion for a different day. So you bring in Harry Heastan and, and the discussion is, ah, you know, he doesn't like recruiting and is he going to recruit? And this is a recruiting staff, you know, with, with Marcus Freeman leading the charge. Um, and Harry is kicked. Can I say that? Can I say ass? I, I, I just did, Darren. Did. He has been kicking ass. I mean, he has been fantastic. 
I mean, they've got he, he, he's picked up, um, you know, all this 2023 offensive line class is darn good. He's already got a one in 2024 with Peter Jones. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he that that's been a surprise to me just how hard he's been going to recruit. Like when he goes out on the road, he's not hitting up like you know, six high schools, he, you know, he's stopping at a high school here one day. And then, you know, he's just kind of popping in that, you know, the high schools, the top offensive line targets. Um, but it, it's been impressive to me just how hard he has been recruiting because what I'd been told before was that, oh uh, yeah, that, you know, he doesn't really care to recruit. Uh, I'm sure that before he got hired, um, you know, he talked Marcus Freeman and him talked about, if you're going to be on the staff, like we're all about recruiting our butts off. And uh, that's exactly what Harry Heastan's done. And I would say the other one, I've talked about Chancey Stuckey a ton, the receivers coach. He's been awesome. Uh, I'm a big Chancey Stuckey believer. He, he's someone who I also don't believe will be. Uh, I talked about Lauren Itis earlier. I don't think Lauren Itis can be on the Notre Dame staff because he's been doing so good. He's going to get a promotion to a position coach. I kind of feel like same with Chancey Stuckey. Like I think he is on a traje- trajectory, excuse me, um, of a of a coordinator, um, it, it, I don't know when that would be. He's still pretty inexperienced as a coach, um, but uh, yeah, he's a darn good recruiter, great personality, a really good football mind. Um, under the Dabo Sweeney tree, so that's that's pretty good for him. And yeah, I I, I think the world changed his All right, so since fall camp is underway, I picked out three guys from the class of 2022 that have made a few headlines already in the first week of Notre Dame football camp. And I want you just to offer your thoughts. You followed these guys going through the recruitment process. You watched them on tape. Let me start with Tobias Merriweather, the freshman wide receiver from the Northwest. Here's a guy that obviously is playing a position, Mike, where a freshman can dent the depth chart. He has that advantage. But it sure seems like, based on the reports we've seen already, that he fits the part. Now, there is a learning curve to go from high school to college at the wide receiver position, but give me your thoughts on Merriweather, what you saw to him in high school, and how good you think this guy could be at the University of Notre Dame before all is said and done. I'll start by saying the the reports about him standing out in fall camp are no surprise at all. I expected it, to be honest. Like, not only from what I'd seen in person um, from him at the uh, All-American Bowl in San Antonio in January, but from what I've been told from Notre Dame sources, like that staff had high expectations for him as a freshman, even coming in um, as a summer enrollee. Like people really thought that this young man, um, you know, could get on the field this fall, and, and that certainly seemed to be the trajectory for him. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as him as a player. You know, looks a little lean in high school, but I'm told he's up to 200 pounds. Um, you know, he's 6'4". He's got speed, track speed. He's got, you know, the, the catch radius. Um, he's a really good route runner. I mean, he's kind of the whole package. Um, you know, he's got the leaping ability. Tobias Merriweather is a darn good receiver. And, um, you know, you look at the – the rankings only one website had him as the top 100 player hmm. you know I, I think he's a stud you know I, I certainly believe that he was one of the best receivers in the country 
I think Irish fans are pretty comfortable at the cornerback position with the big three. You got Hart, you got Lacey, uh, Bracey, and you have Lewis. And I think there's a question, who's going to be that number four cornerback? Well, maybe it's going to be Jaden Mickey because that is a player that Marcus Freeman pointed out that is doing some good things already in fall camp, Mike. Darren, he he's someone that, like, I, I was told Notre Dame obviously really liked, but I thought it was a darn good player. Obviously, they wouldn't have taken him if they felt otherwise, but he's even surprised by just how good he is this quickly. Um, I mean, in spring ball, I mean, he just played with a swagger and I, not arrogant or cocky, but very confident. Darren, um, he's not the biggest guy listed at what, 5'11 and a half, 175 pounds. Um, but, I mean, he's someone who is uh, competing to, to play this fall. Um, I, I think he can be a nickel guy in, in, in passing situations right away. And, um, yeah, smart, instinctual football player, um, just technically sound. Jaden McKee's a good one. Finally, a guy that popped up in the Blue and Gold Illustrated defensive practice report was Nolan Ziegler, a well-thought-of high school linebacker that is now playing for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Just some thoughts on Ziegler and what he could mean to this defense in the future. I'll have to read the reports at blueandgold.com. I, I don't uh, – been very busy these past yep. few days um, with recruiting, so I, I'm intrigued to see what what, the, what our staff has been writing at him. I guess I'll have to sign up a dollar for one year <laughs> premium access, Darren. I know people. Um, I'll get you a deal. I appreciate it, Darren. Yep. Um, yeah, when, when, you know, Ziggler is a recruit, highly productive wide receiver, setting all sorts of um, records at Catholic Central. Um, I mean, I, I don't – did he lose any games when he was in high school? I think maybe lost one or two games, if not going undefeated. Like, very productive on both sides of the ball. Um Rover, Mike, Will can really play any of those spots. I do believe he's moved inside um, already since he got to Notre Dame. Um, someone who, you know, with his athleticism can be, a, you know, a really good modern-day sideline, sideline, inside backer. Um, yeah, Nolan Ziegler, someone who bleeds blue and gold. Uh, his workout room is, is like a Notre Dame mural. I mean, he is uh, – you know, he's, he's someone who, if, you know, Mike Singer was named head coach, Nolan Ziegler would be like, all right, let's do it. You know, this, I want to be here at Notre Dame, even if my coach is a bozo. Um, so, yeah, you need you need guys like Nolan Ziegler on, their, on your team. Well, speaking of the $1 deal, it is still available, and it's the smartest move anyone can make with the football season now, right here, right now. Yeah, head to blueandgold.com, $1 for one year of premium access make sure you check it out on the site um our staff does a fantastic job um giving you all the news and notes from practice that we're able to attend and uh, i'd like to think that we have pretty good recruiting coverage as well so again head to blueandgold.com for that and uh, we still have um, copies of our 2022 football preview magazine you can get a hard copy or a digital copy and that is online at bluegoldonline.com very good. Mike, good to catch up with you. Thank you so much for your time and your knowledge. We'll talk to you next week. All righty. Thanks, Darren.
That's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Stick around. More Budweiser's weekday sports beat coming up on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett, 641 at WSBT. Today's question, the five Notre Dame football players that I find intriguing at this point of fall camp. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Let's start on the offensive side of the football with tight end Kane Barong, recovering from ACL surgery. Now he's limited with the number of reps he has in practice right now. But from my point of view, I consider him a dark horse to be a big part of the equation as the number two tight end on this football team. We all know Michael Mayer is number one. Guys like Kevin Bauman and Barong battling for that number two spot. Mitchell Evans is out for the opener against Ohio State due to injury. So keep an eye on Barong as he continues to come back from the ACL. This is a guy that Tommy Reese can use as a detached tight end. You can get him away from the line of scrimmage. You can set him up to the outside, act basically as a wide receiver, and he can be a major factor down the field in the passing game. So maybe not against Ohio State or Cal or Marshall, but eventually I think Kane Brung impacts this offense in 2022. Another intriguing player to watch is wide receiver Jaden Thomas. You could almost say Thomas was lost in the shuffle last year. A part of the class of 2022 that had three wide receivers, Thomas, Dion Colsey, and Lorenzo Styles. Styles and Colsey got on the football field last year and contributed on the offensive side of the football. Styles a little bit more than Colsey, but Thomas was in the shadows. Now he's getting the opportunity to get plenty of reps in practice this fall. You have limited numbers. A guy that this coaching staff wants to see more of showed up in the blue goal game, and he's trying to be someone other than that other guy in the class of 2022. There's Colsey, there's Styles, and that other guy. Jaden Thomas is trying to make a name for himself right now, maybe as a boundary wide receiver. And if he can produce, then possibly we could be talking about one heck of a class of 2022 wide receiving cycle with Styles, Colsey, and Thomas. Okay, okay. Uh, number three. Players that intrigue me at this point of Notre Dame football fall camp. At number three, it is Harvard defensive line transfer, Chris Smith. He is 6'2", 295 pounds, considered a backup nose tackle on this Fighting Irish defense, looking to earn snaps behind Jacob Lacey. At Harvard, 29 games played. Had 72 tackles, was an all-Ivy League performer. Might be a little undersized, but hopefully he can use his quickness to win some matchups at the line of scrimmage. And due to injury, 
picking up a guy like Chris Smith, very important to continue the great depth the Irish have had across the defensive line, including in the interior. Number two. Another player I find intriguing is freshman wide receiver Tobias Merriweather. Just like I talked about with Jaden Thomas, this is a player that walks into the Fighting Irish wide receiver room with an opportunity. Due to the lack of numbers in the wide receiver room, due to some inconsistencies with veteran players, there are young players with opportunities in front of them. And there's always a transition from high school to college. Lorenzo Styles picked it up pretty quickly last year as the true freshman, helped this offense. Then he really broke out against Oklahoma State with the eight catches and a touchdown at the Fiesta Bowl. Can Merriweather be that guy? I think there might be a couple of more players in front of him compared to Styles last year. But Merriweather has the size. He's got the athleticism, the speed, got a good twitch to him. If he can become a consistent route runner, continue to catch the football at a high rate, who knows, he could be kind of the Lorenzo Styles of 2022. Keep your eye on the freshman, wide receiver Tobias Merriweather. Number one. And the player I find most intriguing right now in fall camp is running back Logan Diggs. Suffered the torn labrum in the blue goal game. I think there was an anticipation. Maybe he's back in October. Best case, he comes back in September. Well, I'm from the outside looking in. And from my perspective, the fact he was on the practice field, day one of fall practice, was a huge win for Logan Diggs, the running back room, the Irish offense, and this entire football team. This is a difference-making running back. Now, he's still in a red jersey right now, at least the last time we saw him in fall practice. Not in full contact, but he is out there right now. Who knows if he'll play against Ohio State. Maybe he gets a few reps. Maybe he gets a bunch of reps. Maybe he's not ready until another game. The point is, I find him intriguing because even though we don't know all the medicals and what exactly is going on behind closed doors. The fact that he was on the practice field for the first day of practice surprised me. Terrific news. And if you can get him ready for that first game, Tyree digs Estime, that's a pretty good one, two, three punch at the running back position to run right at an Ohio State defense that was a tad bit reeling last year. That's the My 5 question of the day. Five Notre Dame football players I find intriguing. Tight end Kane Barong, wide receiver Jaden Thomas, defensive line transfer Chris Smith, freshman wide receiver Tobias Merriweather, and number one running back Logan Diggs.